the five count. I happen to love the number five. You have a high five. You've got a low five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. The five count. Welcome to the first episode <laughs> of the five count wrestling. You right there, Jess? Yeah, that's the first time I've heard that intro. It sounds amazing. Uh, found, who, who is it? So I found this promo of um, Big E when he was in NXT. I didn't know this was his gimmick in NXT. Yeah. Where he'd beat people so bad that they'd have to count to five. So you got Byron Saxton interviewing about his love of the number five. It's, about, it's like a shit Sesame Street, really. Amazing. That's so cool. And so we've got a brilliant intro out of uh, one promo from Big E that no one remembers. Oh, we owe it, we owe it all to him. Anyway, we should probably introduce ourselves because this is a brand new podcast. First right ever here. episode. My name's Max Curtin, and my beautiful and talented co-host is the man known as Jesse Benz. That's me. We've done many radio, radio shows and podcasts in the past, but we thought we'd do a proper one of something that we're truly, truly passionate about, and that is professional wrestling. Well, that's it. This is like minimal work for us, because we just talk about it all the time anyway, so we might as well actually record it and see if anyone else is interested. We'll subject other people to our thoughts and opinions, because exactly. that's what we really wanted to do, because... There's so many, we really struggle with coming up with an idea for this, because there's so many just general wrestling podcasts that focus on, you know, recaps and what's going on and news and all that kind of stuff, and they're, they're all really good, so why try and break into that market? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah, no point. So we've come up with the idea that every week we always feel like every wrestling fan has an opinion, every wrestling fan's got their favourite moments. And there's nothing they like more than talking about them and uh, telling other people that their opinion is wrong. Yeah, That's basically exactly. the theme of the podcast. So every week, we're going to have a overall theme of a top five. So this week's top five is going to be our... We're keeping it simple as we introduce the first show. Our top five favourite wrestlers of all time. Not current. That's going to be another top five. But favourite wrestlers of all time. And I would say not... We haven't really discussed the rules, but... I would say that this is not like... If it was a list top five in-ring wrestlers or something like that, that would be a different list altogether as well, for me, oh, anyway. We'd be endless if we could do top five high flyers, yeah, exactly. wrestlers. Yeah. So like, there's people in my list that aren't... I wouldn't consider them the best wrestlers, but they're the best wrestlers. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you see, this is interesting, because this is... My top five is from a nostalgia point of view. So pretty much... Everyone in my list is a WWE or WCW wrestler. Yeah, mine too, actually. Yeah, pretty much, because that's the. I think you always associate your top five favorite wrestlers of all time with, with a bit of nostalgia. Yeah, but yeah, I exactly. And make it so that they're wrestlers. So the reason I like them is because of their overall package. <laughs> what appeals? Their big package. <laughs> I like I that. Yeah, well, this was, you know, a lot of the, my top five wrestlers are in an era when steroids were more widely used, so their packages aren't on the big side, really. <laughs> but, but yours might be different, I don't know. You never know. Might be a more modern era. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll get to our top five in a bit. Um, every week we're going to do a new top five. Um, at the end of every episode, we'll tell you what the following subject is. So if you're listening and you want to get involved and send over your top five, then please do, and we'll discuss... Um, over the airwaves as they call it you haven't even told me what the next top five is going to be I'm going to make it up at the end of the show okay cool I'm excited (laughs) 
A lot of planning gone into this. Um, but first of all, I just want to, before we get into our top five, just quickly talk about um, just just some stuff that's been happening in the wrestling world this week. Um, last night was Tuesday Night Smackdown. It's Smackdown Live now, isn't it? That's the correct branding. Smackdown Live, yeah. Smackdown Live. Um, and uh, the genius of Kevin Owens. The, this is... These are the kind of old shows I miss where they used to build up to, oh, next week this is happening. You know, last week they said Vince McMahon's coming back. And I got really excited. I tuned in just because, you know, Vince hasn't been on TV in four years now. It was, um, it, was four, just, it was four years on SmackDown, they said, but he was on, um, on the lead up to, um, was it WrestleMania 32? He was on um, telly doing all the stuff against Roman. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you are correct. So it's been, yeah, it's been about 18 months, I think, since he was on telly. But to get onto SmackDown, and the way they did the intro to the episode with, like, um, Kevin Owens and then Dolph Ziggler coming out as Shano, and then Daniel Bryan, I just thought it built up to, to it even more. Yeah, it was good. I really like Dolph Ziggler at the moment. I think his sort of heel, sort of, I'm too good for you thing is really, really cool. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how he kind of brings that into the ring and if he adapts his wrestling style to kind of complement that. If he wrestled like a really slow, you know, just headlock and sleeper holds and just rest, I think that'd be really good. That's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. That'd be really awesome. But yeah, Vinnie Mac, age 70 years old. 72. 72? Yeah, 72. Brother. Yeah, I looked it up today (laughs) after watching the thing. I was like, I need to find out exactly how old he is. So he comes out to the ring to confront Kevin Owens and says that uh, Shane didn't go far enough and he should have should have buried him, basically, and uh, made the match for those two to face in Hell in a Cell, which it's Shane and in a match that he can jump off. So I'm yeah, invested already. Yeah. It's all he needs for a good platform. Um, <laughs> and then Vinny Mac comes out. And the thing that I enjoyed so much about the segment, I'm mainly talking about when Kevin Owens just... Just headbutted him. He he just headbutted him and yeah. busted him open the hard way. Um, I just loved the idea of Vince coming to SmackDown, having a quick chat with Kevin backstage. Like, okay, what are we gonna do? What, what, what's what's the promo? And then him just stopping dead in his tracks and just being like, "You need to headbutt me till I bleed." <laughs> and then Kevin just being like, "All right, can do that." Yeah, well, yeah, it's what the boss says, isn't it? I always think that about, like, you know, back when he was doing the real stuff with, like, Stone Cold and Undertaker and things like that. Like, the stuff, particularly Undertaker, actually. I know he had a massive, like, career-defining feud with Stone Cold, but it was, like, that Buried Alive match at Survivor Series 2003 um, that when he just bled like a pig. Do you remember? Stuffed pig. Yeah. Oh yes, I remember. What was it? He got hit by the uh, by the shovel. <laughs> he got hit by the shovel. Yeah, but it was. I think it was just. It was just a very deep blade job. You know, in reality. Classic Vince. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, can we do a, one a week a top five Vince blade jobs? I think there's more than enough. That's a good idea. Yeah, or just <laughs> just blade jobs in general would be good. Uh, Vince would take nice. up like. Yeah, Vince would take up pretty much my whole top five. Yeah. Matt Gowan immediately springs to mind his match with him at Vengeance. Oh God, yeah, yeah. If um, a one-legged dude can bust you up like that, then you you know that you know that you've got at least four more like really really good ones. <laughs> uh, but just and then I think I found a super kick a lot worse on him. I don't know if he got his hand <laughs> up to protect. I couldn't see it, but 
Yeah, the super kick looked a lot worse to me. You know what? Um, There's something about old people being super kicked because uh, the other day I watched um, Ric Flair's retirement match at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. And when Shawn hits him with a super kick, I think because Ric Flair's like old, it just had way more impact. It was like, oh my god, that's his face. I think the crying as well. Yeah, he didn't need the, cr- to do the cry didn't help. Yeah, the, well, I mean, it did help. You know, it made for an amazing match. But yeah, the, there was a lot of tears. Vince didn't cry last night. That would have taken away from the segment. I think it would have been. But because Stephanie comes out at the end and has to do the whole, and you hear her uh, through the microphone, she's like, "Come on, Dad!" It's like taking <laughs> your geriatric granddad. Come on, you've done enough damage now. Let's get you back to the home. Yeah, exactly. And I was saying to you earlier as well before we um, came on air. Uh, the um, gormless look that Kevin Owens gets on his face when he really starts, you know, when he just batters someone. He just gets this sort of, his, his mouth is sort of open, he's just staring at nothing in particular. And he was doing it when Stephanie was um, sort of in his face when she came out. And it's, it's kind of such that, a cool that fine line, isn't there, of just being serious and then Festus when the bow rings. Yeah, know, it is exactly kind of... the Festus look. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. But it's, uh, but it's from, it's like, it's like, that face is coming from a dark place in his childhood. Oh, 100%. From when he killed um, El Generico, from when he brutalised people in NXT. Yeah, what I reckon happened is he got bullied a lot when he was a kid for being fat, and then one day he just snapped and crippled that bully, and suddenly he was the bad guy for crippling the bully. But that's the place where he goes to in his head when he does things like this. It was Zach Gowan. Zach Gowan was the bully. Do you reckon it was Zach Gowan? Tore that leg right off. Hopping around, yeah. No, he had the leg before, and then he, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he annoyed Kevin Owens. <laughs> yeah, it was he. he beat him with his own leg. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that Kevin Owens, we saw it a lot in NXT when he was champion. I think by the time he finished his NXT run, he had about five feuds on the go. He had Finn Balor, Alex Riley, Samoa Joe... John Cena, yeah, Cena and William Regal, and um, yeah, that kind of insane. that kind of came full circle in the um, Rumble, the Rumble before last when AJ Styles debuted, uh, didn't it? Like it sort of felt like every person that came out, Owens was sort of just looking at the Titan Tron, like, oh for God's sake, like another person that hates me. <laughs> he was the perfect person to like when AJ debuted he was the perfect person to eliminate oh god yeah yeah it was perfect because no one no one would turn would turn on Kevin Owens would they no no of course not but uh, yeah I really hope this is the start of something I think it already is but the start of something very important for Kevin Owens because I remember a couple of months ago you know you read the, the stupid dirt sheets and stuff where they're like oh Vince McMahon hates Kevin Owens because he's fat and his push is going to end and it's like if Vince gets in a program with you and more importantly put Shane in that program and as we saw what Vince was willing to do last night I, I, I think that is way off I think he's going to be very high on Kevin Owens from that standpoint yeah I agree it's the whole um, I mean the promo last night between the two reminded me of Stone Cold and McMahon it's the same sort of thing except yeah. except they're doing it from a Owens as the heel and McMahon as the face which has turned it on its head but it's the same sort of anti-authority, do-what-I-want sort of character. And, yeah, I mean, Owens is more than capable of um, carrying that torch, I think. Yeah, 100%. And 
it's nice to because there was a couple of weeks where SmackDown was was dipping a little bit, and it's nice to see it kind of coming back to to where it was. Because I thought last night, and very quickly, I want to talk about how fantastic the Usos are. They're awesome, right? Heel Usos are wicked. I hated them oh, a few months ago. Yeah, hated face Usos. Um, me, 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 and Steph, me, and my girlfriend get into this argument all the time um, in regards to that. She feels like I should like people no matter what. So uh, <laughs> let's take Matthew McConaughey for for an example. Um, obviously, along with everyone, I started falling in love with Matthew McConaughey when he started doing True Detective and Interstellar and, you know, just Dallas Buyers Club and all of his amazing acting. And she was like, oh, but you, you should like his old movies too. And I was like, you mean the ones he did with um, Sarah Jessica Parker and all of his rom-com movies? And it's like, I've seen a couple of those and they're terrible. Yeah. And they're terrible because they're they're just awful stories. Um, and he's been given a role, given roles that he can work with, and it makes him excellent. Same with the Usos; they were allowed, as the old wrestling adage is, "Be yourself, turn up to 11. and that's what the Usos are. Yeah, yeah, it's wicked. Yeah, I like the Usos a lot. Like like that whole. But I just can't believe how it just goes to show, doesn't it? You can't ever say you don't like someone ever. Because no. it can just turn on its head like that so quickly. There was a time yeah. when um, I'm trying to think of another example, like Braun Strowman. Do you remember when he first came into the Wyatt family, and it was like, oh, this this guy, yeah, this this guy, like, didn't even go on NXT. He was just brought straight up to the main roster. Like, he doesn't deserve it. Bloody blah, blah, blah. He's earned his stripes, man. He's wicked. I love Braun Strowman. He's worked so hard. Like, I've never been more excited for a match than I have. Um, Brock and Strowman at No Mercy. Yeah, that's going to be great. That's yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That SummerSlam Fatal Four Way was brilliant as well, and that was that was 80% brawn. I would say making that match brilliant. Yeah, I'm not a big match guy. I'm not a big fan of uh, the big guys really. Oh, um, but some of my favourite matches this year: Big Show and Braun Strowman. First Big Show Braun Strowman match. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it because it would be something you'd go. I'm going to skip this. But if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it because it is. Oh, so good yeah so good. yeah cool love those two but yeah um, and also Uso's New Day they're kind of d- swapping the title back and forth quite a bit but I don't see it as a hot potato issue I see it more as um, they're two of the very best and they just keep upping each other yeah doesn't feel like the title's going back and forth yeah yeah you're right yeah like they're doing it in a good way I think like um yeah, like they did it. I felt like that a bit with the um, cruiserweight title in WCW for um, '96 sort of era when Rey Mysterio came in. Um, it it yeah. felt like that. It felt like the t- the title was going back and forth between Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio, but they were just both so good, so it didn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Right, should we get down to business? Shall we? Um, do you want to go five, first? Five. Um, do you want me to play the intro again? Do you want to restart it? Oh, okay. Is that what we're doing? That's brilliant. I just, I just want to hear yeah, it. Yeah, me too. All right, go for it. The five count. I happen to love the number <laughs> five. <laughs> you have a high five. You've got a low five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. The five count. Big E getting the glorious over before Bobby Roode. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, right. He is. It's just <laughs> oh, five. <laughs> Five. We're going to be sick of that number by the time this show's done. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, top five wrestlers of all time. I will name my number five and explain my reasoning. Then Mr. Patrick Benz will go and explain his five. 
So, top five. My number five pick, and as I said, I'm picking wrestlers that overall have made an impression on me in terms of like wrestling ability, talking on the mic, just just something I can I can go back and watch them again and again and again. And I don't think there's anyone that epitomizes that more than my number five, Mr. Sexy Boy. Nice. I thought you were going to sing along, but okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, Sexy Boy! (laughs) Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels himself. Now, I saw a lot of Shawn Michaels in the late 90s when I was very into my Bret Hart era. And I wasn't a massive fan of Shawn in the late 90s, you know, early 90s, well, I guess he left in 97, but, you know, that era of Shawn Michaels, I, yeah, didn't really care for. Yeah. But 2002 Shawn Michaels, from when I really started getting back into wrestling, was just, ugh. You you tell me a bad match he had from his run in 2002 to the end. Yeah, no, it was stunning. It was um, it was a different level of. I view them as two wrestlers, like 90s Sean, and that's the point. and yeah, yeah. 2000 Sean. Um, so he Sean is someone I can go back and watch, you know, constantly. Like just yesterday, I was watching his match against because um, obviously Shelton Benjamin's back on SmackDown now. I watched Shawn Michaels versus Shelton Benjamin again. Um, that springboard feature music. That's the one everyone yeah. remembers. But yeah, it's beautiful. But the, ma- the match before that, the whole of it, incredible. Cool. I don't know if I've seen that, actually. The um, full yeah, one. Check out the whole match. Um, I think it opened Raw. Okay. Because it was a, a tournament to decide a number one contender or a new champion or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they were like the first, first round and they just tore it up. Because that was when Shelton had his big you know, push, beating Triple H and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, nice. Main event star. But, uh, yeah, so so Shawn Michaels for me, obviously we talked about him versus Ric Flair um, against The Undertaker. We watched, do you remember when we watched that? Um, Mania 25, yes. the um, the Undertaker-Shawn Michaels first Mania match. Uh, we watched it live together in my cellar at my parents' house, didn't we? And, we did. God, we were just, yeah. like, on the edge of our seats we were throughout the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. We were and it's not at all... By the <laughs> we were crouched. It was horrible, <laughs> but we were standing right by the TV. And then uh, it's—I've gone back and watched that match, and it is still a great match in terms of like storytelling and how they go about it. But it, it doesn't have the same as when you watch it live and you're like, "Oh, Sean, yeah. Sean can do you, it." He genuinely, yeah, you genuinely didn't know who was going to win, and we weren't. Um, now we're um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? When you're really used to something, like we've been conditioned to. Um, to, ex- to, to expect all wrestlers at a big show to kick out of at least two finishes. Like, that yeah, happens that's, every that's time now. Fun, but back then, it didn't. So, you no. you know, uh, Taker would hit a tombstone. you think, there's there's no way that Michaels is kicking out of that. And he does. And the switching music's out of nowhere. It was just stunning. It was so good. And I've tried to show it to um, uh, Bobby, my girlfriend. I've tried to show it to her. And because she's a newer wrestling fan and she's used to people kicking out of everything all the time... She a plus plus she knew that Lesnar was the one that broke the streak, so she knew that Taker was going to win. So she doesn't get that match the same way that we did back then. She's an idiot. I know. Oh, this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah I'm glad you told me because I've been um, thinking about that, and it's not good to get some clarification. Good. That's what we do here at a five count. We we, we sort out problems. We do. We're well, yeah, starting with mine, <laughs> uh, and also. 
obviously Shawn Michaels Triple H is what started off and that whole I think they feuded for what two years if it, it felt like that didn't it <laughs> I think no you, it, you had Bad Blood 2004 the Hell in a Cell I remember that being like the end of it yeah and yeah I suppose you could argue that I mean they took a few different paths along the way but it started when he returned at SummerSlam 2002 didn't it yeah yeah so um, Shawn Michaels I will go back and watch his matches again and again his promos We've talked about doing a top five promos of all time, and 100%, I put a spoiler in now, Who's Your Daddy Montreal is going to be in there. That's brilliant, yeah. That's one of my favourite promos. That would be in mine as well, I think. Never have I seen heat, and never again will I think I see it as much as that moment. (laughs) It was was very good. Who's Your Daddy Montreal? I was watching some old 97, I guess it was, um... Uh, Raw the other day and Sean was in that was back in that was amazing Bret Hart was sort of a heel in America and a face in Canada and they seemed to be having a Raw like every two or three weeks they'd have a Raw in Canada so like it would just get flipped on its head all the time it was really cool but uh, Sean would come out as a massive heel in Canada and some of the stuff he was doing like shoving the little Canadian flags down his trousers and stuff stuff. I think he had to apologise at some point yeah, probably. I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, that guy was money. It was so entertaining to watch. It was brilliant. We, we've all dry humped a, a maple leaf flag in the privacy of our own homes, but... Yeah, but to do it in front of thousands of people. Come on, Sean. <laughs> have some dignity, man. <laughs> so, that is my number five. Who have you got? It's a good, solid number five. Good start, right? My good number start. Yeah, very good start. My number five, and again, like you said, um, picking on um, rewatchability and things like that. I mean, I've got quite a very top five, I think, but my number five is Dean Malenko. Ooh, the Iceman. The Iceman, right? I think it's an absolute travesty that Dean Malenko just isn't remembered, really. He's not mentioned at all by anyone like rarely talked about the the occasional wrestler will sort of bring up the radicals as an influence and stuff but no one no one says Dean Malenko just as him he's amazing like when you talk about best technical wrestlers you you hear names like Benoit Angle Brian but you'd never hear his and i i would i would say Dean Malenko was a better technical wrestler than any of them i'd agree than Benoit Angle Brian um, Dynamite Kid, whoever you want to bring up as technical wrestlers, Di Malenko is the best. The only thing that held him back is that he had zero promo ability and no charisma. Right? Well, I, I find with Di Malenko, like yeah, on the mic it, it didn't really have it, but when he had that proper Iceman gimmick with just a stare, and he'd come down to the ring and he'd have that look of just like focus. That 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 was enough character for me. I, he didn't need yeah. to talk for me. He just needed to walk to the ring with that look, sorting out his wrists. Oh, it was great. And that was a Heyman invention in ECW. Heyman gave him the Iceman name and sort of started that. Heyman is so good at that, at um, not, not, not showing people's weaknesses, just enhancing them, you know? And that's what he did with that. And then he go, um, Dean Malenko goes to WWF and they give him the ladies' man gimmick. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, and it's... I blocked that out mentally, thanks for that. Yeah, it's all, and it's awful. It's terrible. And... Why would you give that gimmick to someone that can't talk? It just doesn't make any sense. He's obviously going to die on his ass. And whereas Heyman gave him the correct gimmick, he was, okay, you can't talk, you're really serious looking all the time. That's your character, so that's fine. But yeah, there's not many mid-carders who jumped over from WCW to WWF 
um, in the Monday Night Wars that didn't do better in WWF, but Dean Malenko is definitely one of them. He was much better suited to WCW, yeah. and his character worked a lot better. He's just... I mean, like I said earlier about him and Ray um, with the Cruiserweight title in WCW, just stunning. Just stunning work. Like, every single one of their matches with him, Mysterio, um, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit. Um, He got a good match out of Disco Inferno once. That was incredible. Once. Yeah, on Monday Night Trade. That, like, that, if nothing else, that puts him in the top five. Yeah, because I remember him and uh, Mysterio Jr. at the time when they were facing for off uh, the Cruiserweight Championship. Was it uh, Halloween Havoc 96, I believe? Uh, I think it was, yeah. yeah. And then 97 was the Guerrero match, wasn't it, with Mysterio? Yeah, but, you know, Malenko could tear it up with anyone. You could have... Obviously, now we see it quite a lot more with the bigger guys and the littler guys going at it and, you know, out wrestling. But then it, it was all, you know, WCW was... The start of the show is the cruiserweights, the end of the show is the heavyweights, but um, oh, Malenko could go with anyone. You know, as you mentioned, he's, he's gone with Ray and Eddie, Psychosis, just oh, just brilliant, brilliant wrestler. He's amazing. Right. I, it's a shame that not enough people kind of cite him as a favourite, because obviously you've got Eddie and Benoit and Angle have, have the stories and the charisma and stuff, but uh, yeah, Malenko, pound for pound, one of, one of the best technical wrestlers of all time. And absolutely and re- and so rewatchable which is why he's on this list for me you know like I could just go back and watch him anytime well I always not dated at- um, probably let the listeners know so we're not just being complete uh, smarky uh, and we said fuck again I did anyway that's <laughs> <laughs> um, but I myself train, train as a wrestler um, and I always watch a lot of Malenko if I'm ever studying technical wrestling or holds I will watch William Regal and Malenko yeah, nice. Cause you know what? R- Regal nearly made my top five. I mean, he didn't, but he nearly did. It's a close one. Um, well, well, I'm sure down the line we'll have a top five technical wrestlers. And yeah, or top five British wrestlers. Very s- similar list when it comes to that. <laughs> but Yes, yeah, I think I'd agree. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Malenko for holds. Can't, can't fold him. No, I'm still waiting for him to be in a 2K game, WWE game. You got Vince McMahon announced yesterday in 2K18, but you ain't got a Malenko. One one day. I hold out hope every year for D Malenko. Well, I read an interview about um, Malenko when it's... No, with Daniel Bryan, because Malenko is his main influence. And you kind of hope that he would have mentioned it by now. But yeah, yeah. It's like, no. Because it's not even like he's not allowed to be mentioned. The man works backstage. He's literally yeah, yeah. 20 feet away from the ring. Yeah, but then maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't want to be mentioned. You know, I, I, I don't know what Dimelenko's like as a person, really. But he doesn't strike me as um, someone who is hungry for the spotlight, particularly. He doesn't seem that warm and cuddly. Let's be honest. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, we're off to a good cool. start. We haven't. Had, I don't think we're going to disagree on this list. Uh, oh, oh, well, <laughs> just you wait. Just you wait, my friend. Don't the but... clown is number one. <laughs> okay, who's your number four? Number four. As we've just been discussing, sticking with the WCW Cruiserweight division, Rey Mysterio. Nice. Good choice. Rey Mysterio Jr. back then. Um, I first saw Rey against Eddie Guerrero uh, Halloween Havoc 1997, and I don't think you can ask for a better introduction than that. If you've never watched that match, you have the network, and it is on YouTube, you need to go and see it. It this is a stunning match. It's amazing. Match is, what, 20 years old now? Oh God! Yeah, Jesus, yeah, it, it is. is. And, <laughs> uh, 
still holds up. I I probably watched that one the most if, out of my rewatch matches. Nice, um, yeah. But, but raise someone like Malenko, you know, he came in very small stature as he was, but when he started like the ninety six, ninety seven in WCW, he was very skinny and very small. Mm. But he could hold his own, and he faced guys like Juventud and Jericho. Um, when he was part of the LWO, the Filthy Animals, and all that kind of stuff, it was um, yeah. His, his his wrestling ability in WCW was was amazing. Um, Talk, talking about that Guerrero Mysterio match at Halloween Havoc, there's one spot in that match that is so cool, and I've seen him try and do it a couple of times since and he's never hit it like he did in that match it's the one where so he's his hand is linked with Guerrero's right yeah Mysterio runs up to the top rope does a backflip off the top rope and lands into a perfect DDT yeah there's actually so good there's one time he's recreated it it was actually Last week, two weeks ago, he was facing off oh, really? Ricochet, and I think oh, Ricochet nice. was like, I want to do that spot, and they did it, yeah. and Ricochet being Ricochet, they did it perfectly. Oh, brilliant. I've seen him attempt it a few times over the years, like on WE telly with Chavo Guerrero and people like that, and he's just never, never hit it the same way. Yeah. But that, that's that Halloween Havoc one was incredible. You to hit that moonsault perfectly, you need the other person to like catch you perfectly, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ray in WCW was was amazing. Like, not that I stopped watching wrestling around 2000, but it's when it kind of ended on UK TV. It was a bit harder to get, so I kind of made the switch over to um, to, to WWF and all that kind of stuff around that around that point. Um, yeah. Did you ever watch like it was called WCW Worldwide and it was on Channel Four on Friday nights? Yeah, I watched. Yeah, I'd say as a kid, I watched more WCW than WWF. Yeah. Uh, pretty consistently well I always remember it as um, quite quite clear cut and it, and it was fine um, but then I was doing some research on it for, for the podcast and I didn't realise how actually terrible it was WCW <laughs> Worldwide you know you just have those blinkers as a kid so yeah. going back and I remember this because they, they'd build up feuds and stuff and you'd be like oh next week Sting and Vampiro and all of this is happening and then the next week nothing would happen and yeah. then it was because it was all out of sync. They play like six weeks behind. They play random episodes, and then they would uh, they had these commentators who would uh, commentate over the American to make it more UK friendly. And the people they chose for that were Scott Hudson and Larry Zabisco. <laughs> I don't remember any of this when I was watching it, but like I found something online and I watched. It and I went, Good, "What is this?" And I, I don't know if you I love I this. love I love Larry Zabisco, but he God, is. he he can talk for a long time about nothing. <laughs> That's what we do. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're doing it very well right now. We're doing you proud, Larry. Doing you proud, Larry. Um, but they also, and I, I had to go back and check this because I thought this was complete BS. When a weapon shot was done, they'd put over a Batman-style cartoon, wham, bam, so like a kapow or a hit. Now, yeah. I called BS on that, but I found it, and they actually did that. Amazing. So. I don't know how we took wrestling seriously when we were growing up. <laughs> I didn't have any. I, I mean, you say about that, like, you know, no cohesive storylines and stuff on what we were watching on British telly. But it's, I didn't, yeah, as a kid, I didn't, didn't care. care. I was just watching for the fighting. Yeah, and I didn't, I, didn't fully, I didn't fully understand that WCW and WWF were two separate companies either. I no. thought that, like, 
I, I, I remember for a long time, I was adamant that Sting was the third brother of Kane and The Undertaker. <laughs> they could have I done. thought they were all related, yeah. And um, I was, like, arguing with kids at school like about it all the time. And turns out that I was wrong about that. They all wear but he's got the right... He's got the, yeah, they all wear trench coats, and Sting's makeup had a sort of similar pattern to Kane's mask, I always thought, when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, like, flame, the original. Yeah, I'd see that. Yeah. This is Crow Sting, obviously. I, would, I never saw um, Surfer Sting <laughs> when I was a kid. Could you imagine if you had Undertaker and Kane family reunion and Surfer Sting comes in? Yeah. High <laughs> <Exactly>. five! <laughs> Woo! Oh, get out, Sting. <laughs> and then, obviously, getting back on track, Ray joined the WE, and... Smackdown, obviously Smackdown, the glory days, 2002 onwards. Uh, <laughs> I, love, I love that we think that's the glory days, because it's it really not. <laughs> uh, I, no, I, I think it is too, because it's when, it's when we met around that time, wasn't it? And um, so we were both watching wrestling around that time. But when you look at it, as it's not remembered very fondly by the general public, really. Like, your average wrestling fan doesn't look at 2002 smart. to 2004 as the, um, this amazing era like we do. Well, they're wrong, because... Yeah, I agree. They are the wrong. Cruiserweight division was on fire. Then, one of my favourite matches of all time, when they did the tag team title tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, Edge and Ray against and um, Ray. Ben Warren Angle. Ben Warren Angle. Amazing match at No Mercy. I think match of the year that year, because deservedly so. And then on yeah. SmackDown, they had a two out of three falls match for the SmackDown titles. Again, yeah. YouTube that, or network it, because... Work great! What a match that was. <laughs> it um, was. And, and Ray was just solid in his WWE career. He had, he had obviously a bit of a dip, 07-10 with his injuries and, you know, the drug violations. The drugs. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that body. You look at his body in WCW and you look at his body in WWE and you think, so, so, it, so, it, so it's gone on there. That's more, that's more than push-ups, mate. You should see him in Lucha Underground now. Good Jesus. Is he ripped? He's ripped, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, well, they, I suppose they don't test in Lucha Underground, do they? Uh, they don't care. But also, you know, he's still going. He's in Lucha Underground at the moment. He fought what, Will Ospreay a couple of months ago, and he's he's still got it. You know, his knees are, I'm pretty sure, just dust at this point. Yeah. But he can still go, and I love watching him. And, yeah, always will be one of my favourites. Yeah, man. Speaking of knees of dust, did you see the picture of Mick Foley? Mick Foley's just had his knee replaced. Did you see the picture of his surgery? No. Do I want oh, to? brutal. It's pretty gross. Just the big sort of, you know, they pulled open his knee and it's just the stitch of going up his knee. Pretty gory. But um, but it's cool. Apparently the um, surgery went very well. So um, Mick Foley's got a new knee. Oh, yeah. Back in the ring. Him and Ambrose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's get that feud. One I want. And you're number four, Mr. Patrick Benz. My number four is... Um, someone that I know you're going to be very proud is on the list it is none other than Hulk Hogan oh my god I know I didn't want to fall out on the first show I know you didn't want to fall out Jesse well I feel like we've been agreeing with each other too much and that's not very interesting to listen to so I thought (laughs) I'd uh, I thought I'd bring bring a curveball in but Hulk Hogan right okay before you argue with me can I just tell you why I like Hulk Hogan Go, go ahead cool so Yes, he's a very limited performer in the ring. Yes, he's very slow. Yes, his opponents have to slow down to accommodate him. Yes, he insists on winning all the time. But Hulk Hogan is wrestling, right? Like you, I 
love Hulk Hogan like I love when you, you know when you watch like cheesy old films and stuff and they're dated or like listen to old music and you can you can laugh at it like at it not with it you're laughing at it and how stupid and silly it is but at the end of the day you still really enjoy it and that's what Hulk Hogan is to me like his charisma is stunning I, and I know that like like I said his, his wrestling ability is poor but there's just something about like I still get goosebumps when he hulks up when I watch matches and he starts to hulk up like that is entertainment to me I think it's amazing how do you feel about that? I want to hurt you. <laughs> why do you? Why do you disagree? And also, before I let you talk, um, when I when I started I <laughs> when I started watching um, wrestling when I was a kid, um, Ho- Hollywood Hulk Hogan was with the NWO, right? So yeah. my first exposure to Hulk Hogan was as a heel, as this cool heel, because the NWO was cool, right? So and he was like the leader. So as a kid. He seemed like the coolest guy in the world, and it, it wasn't even it wasn't even until I was a bit older, when I was like twelve years old in two thousand and two, after his match with The Rock at Mania eighteen, that I even knew that there was this history of a red and yellow Hulk Hogan that was like a fan favorite for all that time. I didn't even know that existed, but it it was so. And that Mania eighteen match is a perfect example of why Hogan is brilliant and should be considered one of the greatest of all times. The way. He controls that audience and the way, just his little mannerisms, the way he can stare out into a crowd of thousands of people and every single person in that audience feel like he's looking just at them. Like, that's a real skill that not many people have and Hulk Hogan has it. And I, I think he's, he's just the best, or one of the best. At least he's the fourth best <laughs> on my list. Every reason you listed is why I hate Hulk Hogan. Well, you don't like happiness and entertainment. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> I understand that he is the personification of wrestling, but, you know, it, it's it's like, well, anything with wrestling, they get put in that position. And I understand putting Hulk Hogan in that position is what kind of was the driving force to the idiot youths of America at the time. <laughs> like bright colours and he's fart with moustache. But in terms of wrestling, I find his promos two-dimensional and boring. I find his wrestling a snooze fest, and hulking up is the cheesiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, oh, I, will, I, I will agree with you that his match against The Rock was electrifying, and it was, no pun intended, um, was a great match, thanks to The Rock. But... No, it wasn't thanks to The Rock. <laughs> it wasn't thanks to The Rock at all. Hogan was the star of that match. Rock was obviously brilliant in that match, but Hogan was the star of that match. He likes to make himself the star. Yeah, of course That's he does. Sure. Yeah, he's got the biggest ego in the world. But you have to, to be in that position. And so you said about putting him in that position. Like, were you implying that anyone could have been Hulk Hogan and Terry Belair was just in the right place at the right time? Obviously, history dictates that I can't necessarily argue that. But I think you you could have. You could have had had a character there. Don't ask me who. Don't you dare ask me who could have been in that role at that time. Um, but, yeah, Hulk Hogan was the bigger-than-life entertainment aspect of wrestling. He was, he is, and still is, sports entertainment, wrestling entertainment. You know, no one... Wrestletainment. Wrestletainment. He is Mr. Wrestletainment. Um, but he doesn't wrestletain me. <laughs> I really like that word. I'm going to use it all the time. Um, 
We'll wrestle-tain you. Um, wrestle-tain. Watching Hulk Hogan in AWA, right? The AWA is... Um, that is why... You watch that and you see why Vince... Um, I guess it was Vince Sr. at the time, wasn't it? Put stock in Hulk Hogan to come to um, WWF or whatever it was at the time. Um, you watch him in the AWA and he is he comes out to Eye of the Tiger, right? Which is cool. And he's just so intense. This is before the red and yellow and all that stuff. And he just he just looks he looks like he's gonna kick your ass. He looks cool and he's just got that charisma that's bleeding out and the crowd are going mental for him. Before he was red and yellow and in your words, you know, all bright colours to the stupid youth of America. Uh, before that, he was still a massive star because he just it just came out of his pores. He just bled it. I am the first to criticise like him and his uh, behaviour outside the ring sometimes and I'm, I'm talking about not only tabloid stuff but within the business as well the way he politics backstage and stuff but you can't you, you just I just can't see how you can't see his charisma and how infectious it is do you want to know my favourite Hulk Hogan match and then I'll move on to my pick um, I reckon uh, can I guess Oh, go on, then. Uh, your favourite Hulk Hogan match will be SummerSlam 2005 against Shawn Michaels. I will watch that match again and yeah. again. <laughs> what an idiot fraud that he is. Oh, God no. Bless you, Shawn Michaels. God bless you. <laughs> it's, it is good. It is good entertainment. Yeah, but... Enjoy your swimming, brother. <laughs> it does... But what... Oh, right, fine. But I, I love Hulk Hogan. And... But but surely you're the same age as me. Surely you the first time you saw Hulk Hogan was NWO Heel Hulk as well. Actually, I think the first time I saw him was in a family movie um, called The Suburban Commando. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. No, you're right. The first yeah, in, the first time I saw him was Gremlins Two. But so, um, I knew the name of yeah. Hulk Hogan, and then I went. This, this is a terrible movie. He's a terrible person, and I will never <laughs> deviate from my opinion. Um, let's keep this argument going. Let's keep this this hate between us and disagreement going with my number three pick. The best okay. there is, the best there was, the oh. best there ever will be. Brett the Hitman Hart. I'm surprised he's as low as three on your list. I thought he'd be higher. He it two others did beat him out, but uh, would you? Should we switch this and you'd like to say your yeah. opinions on Bret Hart? Well, you know what? I'm not as... I don't hate Bret Hart like you hate Hulk Hogan. Like, I'd be I'd be an absolute idiot to claim that Bret Hart isn't an incredible wrestler, right? He would be. But, um, but, but I'm going to do it. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, Bret, Bret Hart, I will say, first of all, you watch any WWF from the 90s that Bret Hart is involved in and everything he's involved with feels important and feels serious like no matter who he's wrestling or what storyline he's in it always felt really important because he had this cool sort of intensity about him and that felt like he was the important bit of the show but it interests me that you've got Bret and Sean on your list because yeah because yeah, um, a lot of Bret's 90s stuff was with Sean and as a kid Sean just came off as so much cooler and like almost making Brett look like a bit of an idiot and he takes himself so seriously too seriously I think in a, in a let's not forget this is pretend fighting right and he <laughs> takes it like stupidly seriously 
and it just it just bothers me. So so tell 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 me why you like Brett, and I'll try and debunk some of that. Thank you. That's what we do. We just just this is wrestling fans one oh one. Let's tell me your opinion, and I will I will shoot it down. <laughs> I'll tell you why you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we should name this. Tell me your opinion. <laughs> Um, so the first match I saw of Brett was again in 97 and no it's not that match um, it was a couple before that Undertaker versus Bret Hart Shawn Michaels was the guest referee SummerSlam 1997 nice insanely good match yeah um, long match I think it clocks in about 45 minutes it is long yeah I remember it being very long very because I had a VHS of that one the SummerSlam 97 I used to just wear it out and just watch it over and over again nice um, and, and watching that match made me first kind of fully appreciate long matches and, you know, more storytelling and that kind of stuff. Obviously, you had three massive characters in Sean, Undertaker, and Brett. But oh, it's just so good. If you haven't seen that match, it, it's something that if you go and check out, you'll instantly become a fan of Bret Hart. I guarantee it. Um, I always find that there's so much Bret that you would love, uh, especially from the WCW area, when you had Bret versus Benoit in 1999. Um, was that the Owen Hart tribute match? No, that was they fought for the world championship, and I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that's the match where they have you know in Malcolm in the Middle, the intro where the two wrestlers are scrapping and it's Bretton. Oh yeah, Chris. yeah, and, um, yeah. Benoit's um, putting a sharpshooter on, isn't he? In yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. That match, from that match, I believe. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, the Owen Hart tribute match faced off. You know what's weird about that match? They what? have that match in the same arena that Owen died in. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, same arena. And that's, that's messed up. That's weird. Head. Yeah, that is weird. weird. Um, but both of, them, both of them put on what I consider, if we do a top five, which we will, one of the greatest submission-esque matches. It wasn't a submission match, but submission-esque matches of all time. Call me WrestleTained. Was that what we were calling it? <laughs> yeah, WrestleTainment. Call me WrestleTained in that match. Nice, um, but Brett had so many great matches, you know. Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, Mr. Perfect, British Bulldog, obviously Owen Hart. Um, just that is wrestling to me. He he was, he is wrestling. He's. I, I understand your point of. No, I don't understand your point. You're wrong. Um, he. What point? <laughs> just about him not being as charismatic, and he he was. He he was so because he took it so seriously is what made him so charismatic in terms of you know he saw this this wasn't a joke this wasn't you know sticking sausages down the front of your trunks and telling people to suck it you know <laughs> this is wrestling it's... Oh, g- give me that any day though over <laughs> I'll watch that in my spare time <laughs> uh, but yeah Brett and then when I read his book My Real Life in the Cartoon World of Wrestling I'm just plugging everything today if you haven't read that go and read that book it's Probably my favourite wrestling book of all time. <laughs> that, book, that book, though, it is. I agree, it is a brilliant book. But the whole thing is so like. There's a miserable edge to everything he said. Whenever something starts to go slightly right in his life, he'll then finish the chapter with like that year, Davy Boy Smith died or something like that, and it would just like oh, completely okay. bring the mood down from like whatever great victory he's talking about in his book. Just there's misery throughout. But it's it's almost funny when you start looking out for it. It's really funny. <laughs> just highlighting passages. Yeah, just all the misery. Oh, we all highlight. No, Brett does have that tendency where it's not a woe is me because he has had a lot of tragedy and 
horrible stuff happened in his life. Oh god, um, since since the screw job, the Montreal screw job, his life just went down, didn't it? Just everything bad happened to him started with that. And it was yeah. just thing well, after you didn't handle him well. There was somebody didn't handle him for yeah, family deaths and stuff, getting kicked in the head by Goldberg, stroke. So much stuff. But I think he married a hot young fang. So yeah, she. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I've seen her on his arm at like Hall of Fame dues and things like that. She is hot. So I, I, I take a dead relative over a hot young fang. Yeah, it works. So, uh, yeah, Brett helped change my perception of professional wrestling, and I think he he changed the perception of wrestling overall. It, it was now cool. It wasn't just leg drops and body slams. Now it was technical <laughs> <Dave>. ability. Yeah, <laughs> little dig, little dig. <laughs> it was technical ability now and people could start seeing that and I think without Brett you wouldn't have the appreciation of your Malenko's your Benoit's your Eddie's yeah I'd I'd agree with that he was was the first he was the first smaller stature guy to get over in a main event sort of level which paved the way for many many people Brett is best I will I will concede that point but yeah are we ready for my number three number three are we only on number three for you we're only on number yeah yeah, that was your number three, so this is my number three now. I had a vision that this podcast was... We could do this in about 40 minutes. That wasn't going to happen, was it? No. How long have we been going so far? 50 minutes. Really? Jesus. Yeah. All right, maybe in future we'll cut out the inane talk about whatever's been going on this week. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the listeners are having a good time, who cares? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get feedback from the three people that listen and um, we'll, we'll know what Sorry. Um, Not you, that was the listeners. Oh, I see, you were in character. Um, I was in, I was wrestletaining you. You were, you were. I was, um, I was wrestletained, sports wrestletained. Um, <laughs> okay, so my number three, um, which is, is fitting after your number three being Bret Hart, and also his second appearance in this show, mine is Shawn Michaels. Oh. At number three, so too higher I'm than you. Yeah. So, but my reasons for liking it, they're, they're the same as yours, but um, I stopped watching wrestling for quite a while when I was a kid. Um, I sort of stopped when, um, just before WCW folded, and I didn't come back until um, my mum moved in with my stepdad, and because of that, we got Sky Telly, right? So I could um, start watching again. And th- literally, the first thing I watched, and this in like three or four years, was Survivor Series 2003. That was the first pay-per-view that I watched in a long, long time. And that's um, the show that had um, Team Austin against Team Bischoff in the Survivor Series 5-on-5 match. With his career on the line, right? Yes, yeah. And I... With Austin's career on the line. And I never... um, I'd never really seen Shawn Michaels pre-back injury instead. This is my first exposure to Shawn Michaels properly. And his performance in that match is stunning. He just like he just puts across that fighting warrior thing in that match so well. And JR actually on rewatch, JR does his bit as well because his commentary is incredible in that match in putting over Sean as this incredible fighter that will never give up. It was just so good. It was so good. And that made me... And because, like... So coming in, 2003 Survivor Series, that's when a brand split's going on. So I was like, I'm going to pick a Raw guy and I'm going to pick a SmackDown guy and follow them both. And Shawn Michaels was my Raw guy. And just... I just, yeah, watched him. Same reasons as you, really. Um, Just, you know, consistently great matches. 
and going back now and watching Shawn Michaels in his first run his pre-back injury I love it I think it's great I love sort of um, young cocky HBK um, all the He's Brett been- heat it's all amazing yeah um, yeah I remember that uh, that Survivor Series match because then he, he he bleed like a stuffed pig yes he, he did yeah, yeah, yeah he put bits to shame because uh, it was Rand- him and Randy Yes, yeah, they, they yes. were the last two. Then Batista comes in, because um, the rest has been knocked out. Batista runs in, Batista bombs Sean. And that's the last, you know, that's what gives Randy the win. And But before that, Sean had, I think it got down to like one on three, and Sean got through everyone. Yeah, it, you know, Sean couldn't make anything look good. I think you could put him against 10 competitors and he'd sell and fight back and it's always Sean's fight back that makes it so believable yeah I could see him face 10 guys eliminate all of them and I'd go yeah he he did that and I'd buy it 100% yeah he's amazing I sent you a picture earlier didn't I I've, on eBay today I managed to buy a um, WWF Hasbro old figure of Shawn Michaels which is my, co- like my current collection <laughs> you, you leave Shawn alone they um <laughs> Yeah, my thing at the moment is collected old WWF Hasbro, so I'm pretty happy with that purchase. But that um, that Sh- Shawn Michaels, you look at his um, gimmick, right? He should he should be so hated. The like the effeminate dancing and that music and everything. Uh, but he's just so talented and so good that casual fans and proper smarks and everyone just love him. Like there's no way you can't. He just crosses all boundaries. Do you know what I mean? What is that bit? Is it in your house when he comes in on the zip line? And <laughs> yeah, almost has a heart attack on commentary. Oh, Vince oh, McMahon! The charisma. Vince McMahon on commentary is such an amazing thing to watch because he's the owner, right? So, but he's because he's on commentary. Whatever he's putting over on commentary is obviously what the company wants to push. So when when he was like going so crazy for Shawn Michaels because he was so desperate for Shawn Michaels to be the next big face of the company at the time. And yeah, just go mental. Uh, um, in your, it was an in your house. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was not in '95, and the match was against Owen Hart uh, with Jim Cornette. And yeah, Sean coming out like he sort of comes down. Um, he's on the roof of the in your house set. And yeah, Sean uh, Vince is just going mental. Sean, well, what charisma? What Sean Michaels? He's a mega star. Just losing his mind. I've never heard anything like it. I love it. Oh yes, no, Sean. But yeah, well deserved, Sean Michaels. Um, as I, I, I think Sean Michaels will be the only two timer um, for both, like the only crossover for both of us on this list. And I think he definitely yeah. deserves it. And he'll show up in quite a few other lists as well. I, I guarantee that. Oh god, yeah. Um, number two for me, sticking with sticking around the same kind of group that we've been talking about, WCW lot. You know, it's Latino Heat. Eddie. Nice. Carlano. Uh, Eddie is, yeah. Eddie's another one of those guys. Same as my number one. Those two, number two and number one are matches that, if I was only left with their matches, I would just watch it. <laughs> and I'd be fine. I wouldn't need any more content. I, I'd be I'd be fine. Um, saw Eddie first time as with Ray. Um, took me a while to find his my love for him because obviously he did his job so well I hated him in 97 with yeah. his stupid mullet and his yeah, you know um, but and I didn't really I didn't really care too much for the radicals in all honesty it was I didn't care for Perry Saturn 
I, you know, yeah. Let's just put that. I, I don't care. I didn't. I didn't care for the radicals at the time either. But um, yeah, it's the beauty of hindsight, I suppose, isn't it? Looking at who was involved and how good they were. But uh, yeah. as a kid, I wasn't particularly interested in them either, to be honest with you. But again, that magical 2002 number. Uh, I think our listeners are gathering that I was quite a uh, SmackDown fanboy during that era yeah. because <laughs> Los Guerreros, that dream tag team division that was happening at the time. Oh, with the Smackdown 6 the Smackdown 6 yeah. and let's not forget when Chavo got injured Tajiri and Eddie Guerrero Tajiri were tag team let's not forget this Tajiri is you know if we ever do a top 5 underrated wrestlers I think Tajiri would be on my list it's a good choice it's a solid choice mm. and everyone seems to always love Tajiri whenever anyone mentions it it's like oh, Tajiri is the best yeah, yeah, everyone knows he's good, but no one ever moans that he wasn't getting pushed either. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he was just in his spot, and everyone was fine with it. I love that booking of Judgment Day. I think it was Judgment Day 2003 when they fought Team Angle, and um, it, and Chavo got injured in Europe, and they were like, "Oh, you've got to find a tag team partner." So we picked Tajiri, of all people, and it's in a ladder match, yeah, and they win it. Yeah, yeah, like. Surely you would change the booking and just be like, have them lose it and then wait for Chavo to come back. But they were like, no, <laughs> no, screw Chavo. Tajiri run. Yeah. Oh, good old Tajiri. Um, I, lo- I loved seeing him back in the Cruiserweight Classic recently, Tajiri. Yeah, that was wicked. Yeah. This isn't about Tajiri, it's about Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, you're right, sorry. I dropped my number two. God damn. Because uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about Tajiri again. I remember when Eddie turned heel when they lost the titles and he powerbombed Tajiri through his lowrider. Nice, yeah. And apparently, that was because my parents walked in because we were like, what, like twelve at the time. Uh, my parents yeah. walked in just as that happened, and apparently, that's the line for me. Them thinking this was too violent. Oh, really? A, a little Japanese man getting uh, power bombed through a <laughs> low rider screen. Yeah, I avoided yeah, Mexican. As I say it out loud, I, I can see where they're coming from. <laughs> um, but yeah, Eddie from then and the U.S. title tournament. Um, when when he won the US title and eventually winning the WWE Championship, that US title and finals match against Benoit at Vengeance 2003 was so good. That match had everything: it had brilliant wrestling, it had comedy spots. It was just perfect. Just y'all wait until we get to our top five matches of all time. Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be in there. That wouldn't be um, in there for me, but it's a very good match. Wait, you're wrong. <laughs> has everything? It has technical wrestling? It has comedy? It has? Uh, you're you're an idiot. You're wrong. All right, yeah, it's good. I think the finish lets it down. I think you let it down. <laughs> Actually, that's a thing. Right. So that's a really good match that's ruined by the finish. I would say that Eddie Guerrero winning the WWE title is also a very good match that's ruined by the finish as well. It is, because the memory is of Taz screaming, no, he stole it, no, not like this. Yeah, and it became about Goldberg more than um, more than Eddie, I would say. Uh like, or that's what they were going for, anyway. Yeah, but I, I like that they had a believable. You know, Eddie still wrestled Brock. And, yeah. You know, having Goldberg come in did obviously help the victory, but uh, yeah, yeah, he, he had it. But that's still one of my favorite, not one of my favorite matches, but definitely favorite moments. Obviously, Eddie winning that title was just just ridiculous. It was brilliant. Um, and then I went back to watch a lot of Eddie, uh, especially especially when he passed away. I, I went back and watched a lot of WCW and ECW. Um, the ECW series with Dean Malenko, also in at WCW, but his 
series with Malenko in ECW mm. is yeah some of the greatest wrestling again that that's something else I'll always watch with D Malenko because that's how you technical wrestle if you want to technical wrestle someone that's how you do it yeah uh, yeah I agree yeah fantastic matches um they're um, yeah, their final ECW match together, that two out of three falls, is just uh, that would be in one in my top five, I think, of um, favorite matches. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I just think Eddie was all round everything. He, he was a great entertainer. He was great on the mic. He was amazing wrestler, but also funny with his wrestling as well. And uh, yeah, I, one of my biggest regrets is we never. I never got to see him wrestle. No, I never. Um, my, the first WWE wrestling event I ever went to was with you, and it was it yep. was a month or maybe even less than a month after no, Eddie, Eddie had passed two away. Weeks. Two weeks after Eddie had passed two away. Weeks. Yeah, yeah, really sad. It's, yeah, and we were so excited to see Eddie Guerrero wrestle. And then, uh, quick story about that night for the listeners, which is almost my favorite, was um, to start the show off. Eric Bischoff comes out to start the show. We boo him. Yeah, back to the Stone to Age shit, and insult him. Oh, it was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and he just takes the mic very calmly and goes, "This shows for Eddie Guerrero." And we were like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> we feel bad." I was in the middle of uh, when we did like the minute silence or the ten bell, whatever, um, which they were doing at all the shows at the time. Um, I was in the middle of buying a T-shirt. And so, like, we had to sort of go quiet when I was buying the T-shirt, but the lady still sort of reaches over and just takes the money out of my hand because she's a carny. <laughs> Damn carny business, that's all this is. Carnies are all carnies. Uh, the, the, the thing about Eddie... The, tra- uh, the tragic thing about Eddie Guerrero is that when he was at his athletic peak um, in the mi- mid-90s, he wasn't a very good promo. And then he developed this incredible Latino heat character and stuff. But by then, his body had gone over the hill and he wasn't as athletic as he'd once been. And I would say he was still brilliant, obviously, and still put on incredible matches. But if you could get mid-90s athleticism Guerrero with his later character that you built, he truly would have been just, you know, the greatest of all time. He would have been unstoppable. Yeah. Well, I see him as the second greatest of all time. That's well, hence, he, hence um, his place two. on your list. Yeah. Hence his place on my list. Uh, but uh, yeah, Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, number two. So I'm liking this um, serendipitousness of our lists because um, my number two is Chris Benoit. <laughs> That's the correct reaction. Um, you're supporting some good characters in this list, Hulk Hogan, Chris Benoit. I, Carry on. I, I don't. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you could put Hulk Hogan's um, personality flaws in with Chris Benoit's. But I, it's it's I I know it's unfortunate. I really thought about whether I should include Chris Benoit or not. But he, we all know what happened outside the ring. But he he was my childhood favorite. You could attest to it. You you were there with me. He, yeah, I was. If if, if you know. Jesse, it was, you know, when he was properly getting to wrestling 2003, it was Benoit. It was Benoit all the time. T-shirts all the time. I was obsessed. He would put me in cross faces all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he'd like to do that. Um, but he, yeah, he's just, um, I, I just ignore what we know what we know about Benoit outside the ring and just look at the art. It's re- I know it's difficult to separate the person from the artist sometimes, but if you just look at the artist and what he did in his career, 
he was stu- you know the same reason I like Dean Malenko just absolutely stunning like you said you know I tuned back in to wrestling big time in 2003 um, Survivor Series like I said that's when I fell in love with Shawn Michaels picked him as my Raw guy I picked Chris Benoit as my um, Smackdown guy uh, Survivor Series 2003 because he was in the opening match of Team Lesnar against Team Angle do you remember that? Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. which I think is an incredibly underrated match it's brilliant it's really really good and um, and in that match Benoit taps Lesnar out who is the WWE champion at the time which is cool and he um, and he survives to the end with John Cena and that made me really like Benoit and then you know watching from there you go on to the Royal Rumble where he comes in at number one and he wins we then go on to Wrestlemania 20 where he wins the title in a triple threat against Shawn Michaels and Triple H in my opinion the greatest Wrestlemania main event of all time which will be another list we do at some point I imagine I'm sure you're basically just a glory supporter well it it feels like that doesn't it but I, I, I came in at the right time and I was the right age to sort of see this manly looking dude who was all business do you know what I mean like he didn't have any gimmicks and stuff he just walked to the ring he was there to wrestle and he did it and he was really good at it and just so good I can still go back I know a lot of people can't go back and watch Benoit matches and I totally respect and understand that but I can because it just puts me back in childhood and it's he's just got this incredible ability to um, um, come across as so dominant and hard hitting in the ring whilst also coming across as an underdog that you want to root for and feel sorry for do you know what I mean yeah, um, yeah. The, the only person, in my opinion, that does that nowadays is Tomohiro Ishii in New Japan. I think Ishii can do that. Yeah, I never understand that, understand that about Ishii because he he's the same kind as Benoit. He well, he's bigger, obviously bigger than Benoit, and I'd never want to meet him in a dark alley no. in my life, unless I'm paying for <laughs> tricks. But he's he yeah, both of them have that aura of sympathy, and I don't understand it. No, neither do I. I don't know how they do it, but they do. And it's brilliant. And it really works. Because when Ishii's kicking ass and when Benoit was kicking ass, you felt like they, it, it feels real, doesn't it? You yeah. forget that it's not real. And it's just brilliant. And in 2007, when the news broke about Benoit and what he did and everything, it was just... Uh, you told me. Do you remember? You were living in Canada at the time. And you yes. um, got an email over to me or something to tell me. And I was in I sixth form. Pigeons, I sent smoke. I <laughs> it, but this, I was in sixth form at the time. And back in 2007, I know it doesn't feel like a long time ago, there was no Twitter. There was no, no way to instantly get news, really. So you still had to actively seek out news. Do you know what I mean? To no, find yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And so I was in sixth form at school. The schools have all these, the school computers have all these blocks on them, so that I can't get to any of the websites I need to get to to um, find out stuff. It was like, what the hell's going on? Part of me was hoping it was some sort of, you know, bad joke or something. And but God, like that was, it's like I know it sounds stupid because I didn't know the guy personally or anything, but it just felt like such a personal blow to me, like a real idol of mine, and he really was, you know. Um, we just mentioned Eddie again we were together when we found out about Eddie Um, I I have a habit with Jesse um, to tell him when an idol dies it's not a it's not a fun uh, friendship trait that we have no but you relish it 
Yeah, you. I love it. I can tell. Yeah, you really um, love doing it. You did it to me with Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park as well, didn't you? Recently, I I made sure I texted you first. Yeah, you were very happy about that. (laughs) It's I so much hurt in your voice. (laughs) I was um, just so the listeners know. I loved Lincoln Park when I was a kid as much as I love Benoit. So it's been it's been it's been a good Lincoln Park and Chris Benoit. Yeah, that was like that was my personality, wasn't it? Like those two things. Um, but yeah but so leaving all that behind Benoit using the word deserve is weird but if you ignore what Benoit did as a person he absolutely deserves to be regarded as one of the greatest of all time as far as um, in-ring ability rewatchability, and just how his Royal Rumble 2003 against Kurt Angle that is my favourite WWE match of all time I think yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, him and Angle in their series. We mentioned Eddie and him at uh, Vengeance. Yeah. It's just, I, yeah, Benoit, just against anyone. He's he's another one in this list that you put him against anyone, and I'm not going to be bored. Yeah, it's true. And what I like about Benoit as well, you put him against anyone. He's not like a Shawn Michaels where he can make you look good no matter what. Benoit will make you rise to his level in the ring. So if you're not good enough, he will punish you for it, which I quite yeah. I quite enjoyed. Like that is great to watch. Yeah, it's a solid choice, and and I think you 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 are right. Obviously, it's difficult to separate the the wrestler from the man because that's how you have to look at it. Yeah, um, and obviously, a lot of people will have a hard time with it and completely understand that. But for me, I, I do agree with you in terms of wrestling ability and going back and watching what he did I, I I don't have an issue with it I know sometimes if I put matches on with Steph watching she fi- I do find it a bit difficult when he gets hit in the head with a brick yeah I know what you head. mean yeah the whole you know, so, some of the like oh that contributed stuff that clearly led yeah that <laughs> contributed uh, there's another match on Nitro uh, against I think I showed it to you on Nitro against Macho Man do you remember this match and he goes for a suicide mm-hmm. dive and uh, Macho Man moves out of the way, and Benoit's head just rams into the um, into the railing um, in front of the crowd, and it's just such such a bad bump, such a bad bump. But you know, I I could talk I could talk for hours about Benoit and um, the um, stuff surrounding concussions and the drugs that were found in his system, and all of what contributed, you know, and all that stuff. It's, did you know? Just quickly, we'll move on in a minute. Um, uh, Benoit's heart was enlarged to three times its regular size they found in the post-mortem and they reckon he would have died like Eddie did within ten months anyway really? Yeah. no that is interesting that is interesting imagine being um, imagine being Nancy Benoit's family and hearing that by the way that must be horrible but um, must, yeah. yeah but imagine if imagine if he had died like that like Eddie died and how how, how he'd be remembered now we talk about like we do Eddie. He'd be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He, you know, that that moment at the end of WrestleMania 20 would be even more. That would be the iconic thing they showed at the start of every show yeah. in in their little starting package. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'd I'd be you know I'd be proudly sort of you know talking about how Benoit was my favorite when I was a kid and I stood by him and stuff. It's mad, isn't it? Well, it's quite sad that we like I understand why they from a business standpoint why they had to let 
you know, do the whole erase from memory kind of thing. But there's so many great matches. You talk about that whole 2003-2004 run against Randy Orton, you know, his stuff with Eddie. Even Eddie's legacy is a little bit tainted due to the fact yeah. that... Yeah, well, you can't show... And, you know, well, a lot of wrestlers can no longer... Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, Eddie, people like that, they can't have their best matches shown anymore because they all involve Benoit, no. which is a shame. Well, I love the... Um, the new kids who come up and obviously a lot of them are saying that Eddie Grail was their biggest influence growing up and you can see it when they say it they're like oh I used to love watching Kurt and Eddie and yeah Dean Chris Nowinski <laughs> yeah. Dean <laughs> that's the only time he gets brought up <laughs> but no but, but whilst I do think it's a shame that these great matches can't be seen I happen to think that it's the right thing to not mention yeah. Benoit anymore I I do think that's right and it's he hasn't been people who say he's been erased from history he hasn't because his matches are still on the network you can still find them if you want to so he hasn't been erased there's just no reason to promote him going forwards do you know what i mean yes 100 percent uh so that brings us your number one brother my number one is this really going to be a shock to you? no i know exactly who it is i think it'll be a shock to um anyone listening though because it's not it's not everyone it's not who you would choose not who many people would choose as their favorite of all time but i love that he's yours no and th- and that's what always surprises me because no one really there are obviously bigger fans or fans that do hold him in in regard of you know the same status that i do but i mentioned it to some people and they go really <laughs> yeah of all time um so i'm obviously talking about the rated r superstar edge i wish i could do it like um Tony Chimmel does it, but I can't. Tony Chimmel, yeah. They brought him out for um, the Hall of Fame, didn't they? Um, they did. It was his wife, wasn't it, that brought him out to do um, the Edge thing in her own speech. Come on. So you can tell who wears the trousers. I'd I'd let Beth dominate me. Um, (laughs) Edge. So, not a lot, in my opinion, needs to be said. I think he's one of the all-round greatest wrestlers in terms of character, in-ring ability, selling, mic work, just about everything. He's part of arguably one of the best tag teams in recent memory of or of all time um great run as a singles competitor like because sh- obviously he had the, the rockers with Shawn michaels and money Jannetty and stuff but um they, they were a good tag team but they were nowhere near the level of edge and christian so yeah to go from the best tag team to then one of the greatest singles competitors is no easy feat and i had to write this down so i didn't get it wrong Accomplishments in WWE, main event world champion, 11-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion, 5-time Intercontinental Champion, 14-time Tag Champion, King of the Ring, Money in the Bank, Royal Rumble winner, and WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's, he's, done, he's done it all. He's, he's, he's done everything that you could do in his era, do you know what I mean? No. And you wouldn't think it, because like, when I first got into Edge was shock. Can we guess what year I got into Edge, everyone? Oh God! Is it? Are you going to be your hipster and say you liked Edge before it was cool? No, I was going to say like 2002 when it was uh, my my year apparently where I just found. All my oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. 2002 was your yeah your um, purple my patch, wasn't it? Yeah, purple patch. Um, I first saw him again with my number two pick against Eddie Guerrero against uh, Unforgiven. They were having a feud leading up to Unforgiven and then Unforgiven. And then they had a no DQ match on SmackDown. I think it was a week or two weeks later, leading up to No Mercy. Yeah, and yeah, that was a stupidly violent match for a free match on SmackDown. They did an education off the top of the ladder. Nice. And I was just like, this, this is 
on SmackDown, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but, but since then, um, oh no, I tell a lie. The first time I saw Edge was I got sent a VHS from my cousin in America. They sent me WrestleMania 17. Nice. That's good. So that was my first Mania, and that's the, that's the first time I saw Edge, but it wasn't... You didn't? He didn't... The singles. Did Edge resonate with you when you watched that then? He, he did, but all of them resonated with me, because obviously TLC2 is... Ugh, what a match. So everyone stood out for me, that not one person could be singled out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 2002, the no DQ match, and then going on to... Um, and we've spoken before about him getting into the tag team with Rey Mysterio, who was another favourite of mine at the time... Just it was just perfect. I I was absolutely heartbroken when he got the neck injury and he like disappeared for a year. I I just didn't know what to do with myself. I was I, I was at a loss. But he came back like, and he I... won the world tag titles with Chris Benoit. Do you remember how happy we both were when that happened? Because it was like my guy and your guy were tag team champions together, and we just we both felt really good about that. And then they turned on each other and he hit him with a brick. He did, yeah. Loved it. But Benoit was um, Benoit was world tag champions on his own for a bit. Do you remember when Edge turned heel and sort of yeah, left him alone? It just kind of walked out. We've had a couple of those because um, someone who hasn't, we're, I'm going to come at the end of the list to people who haven't made your list. Um, Randy Orton is one that ha- is he could be. It could, could be, be my number, number one. one. Yeah, you don't know. It could be your number yeah. one. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Randy and Edge they were Team RKO for a while. Yeah. RKO. Yeah, I was a big and fan of Randy that. when I was younger. Yeah, it was a great moment having those two team. And then, obviously, Edge comes back from the neck injury. He was face, and the fans start to turn on him. I didn't. I loved him, no matter <laughs> what he did. Because uh, he had a bit of bad luck. He broke his neck, came back, broke his wrist, and then I think right. he did his ankle in as well. Um, but then he turned heel. And, oh, you tell me a better heel in modern memory. You uh, you tell um, me a better... No, I agree. He is you tell fantastic. Me. <laughs> I won't, I won't, I won't. And he... Yeah, he's incredible. Do you remember his um, cash-in, the first cash-in at yes. um, what New Year's Revolution or something after an elimination? Yeah, because it was Lowell Cena wins against That's right. everyone. And... But Edge had had that. Um, so he won the Money in the Bank at Mania. This was in January. So he'd had it for like 10 months. And he'd had it so long that it just became the Edge prop, like the Money in the Bank briefcase. And people had almost forgotten yeah. what you do with it, you know, that you can cash it in. So it was such a genuine shock when um, when Edge came out and I cashed that in. It was amazing. I didn't get to see that live. I was really because it was on uh, Sky Box Office at the time. Yeah. And um, my friend Adam, who used to live over the road, I, I anyone around me, I kind of suck into the wrestling hole, and I'm like, "You will like this." <laughs> um, but he texts me. I got a text me like, "Edge is cashing in. Edge is cashing in." And Adam used to live about a hundred yards away from me. We're talking. This must be like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I run out of my house, I sprint across the road, and I bang on his window, and he lets me in, and I catch the end of, like, Edge with the title, and he's doing that weird-looking thing. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Edge nearly got me killed as a young boy. <laughs> good. I hope he's happy. I'm sure he is. Um, you met Edge, didn't and you? I did. Tell the good people about That's your photo so with Edge. So, last year I met, I got to meet Edge, it was one of those Comic-Con kind of things, because find it awkward just to go up to people and talk to them um, for photos because it's weird so I'd rather pay for their services <laughs> like normal human beings I'm the same with sex so, <laughs> so I go I think it was London Film and, that's really funny <laughs> now. Um, so I think it was London Film and Comic Con and uh, Steph Steph bought me it for my birthday to, to go and meet him 
So we, we had like two hours to kill before the signing. Yeah. And yeah. Steph and my friend Matt were like, oh, should we go check out this? I was like, no, I'm going to wait here. I'm going to... They'll open soon. And they were like, for God's sake. It's like two hours. I'll wait. So I just... I stood there and then he walked past me with a cup of coffee and his, his little hair bound around his, around his little pinky finger. I remember every day in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> every moment. Um, and yeah, he, he walked past and... You don't have a lot of time with them. It's pretty much just a, a handshake, quick talk, and all of this. And I didn't want to be like, "Oh, you're my favorite wrestler ever." I've touched myself to you at night. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so I just I had this t-shirt on, which was like a red panda jumping off a top rope, headbutting a um, pumpkin. Because I didn't want to wear a wrestling t-shirt. Yeah, because I'm cool. I mean, well, it's yeah, it's sort of an abstract wrestling t-shirt. Yeah, it? so I, I I start. With my, I'm getting closer. You can see him. The queue's getting smaller and smaller. You know, okay, here it comes. This is my this is my idol. Never meet your idols, but here it comes. And I was like, what do I do? And I just go up to him and I'm ready to just take the picture and walk away, but he stops me and he points at my t shirt and he just goes, huh, nice. <laughs> and I was, awesome. that was the happiest I've ever been. And I said, Can we do a five second pose? And he went, Of course we can. Five second pose. <laughs> Got my picture. Could have died that day. Amazing, yeah. That's that was the peak of your life, isn't it? <laughs> it's as good as it's getting. I'm doing a shit yeah. podcast for you. <laughs> that's another swear bomb. You've gone too far. I've gone too far. This is an R-rated podcast. Oh shit! Um, so, so yeah, justified. His whole career, yeah, absolutely justified. He retired after winning or retaining the world title at WrestleMania. Um, perfect. Yeah, he, I agree. Yeah, career cut way too short. Yes. Um, is the only shame about Edge everything else he's just done perfectly he's always been very good so that is my top 5 favourite wrestlers of all time thanks for coming everyone good night very good oh hang on <laughs> hang on hang on son well before um, before we get to my number 1 can I ask you why Sting isn't in your top 5 ok so Sting is a very if people ask me like oh who do you love in wrestling Sting will normally be the person I mention behind Edge so yeah. it's quite weird that I haven't included him in my top 5 of all time favourite wrestlers now the reason I haven't included him in my all time favourite wrestlers is because when I used to watch Sting as a kid I used to I couldn't really care less about his wrestling ability. I, I couldn't even tell you a match if you asked me to from WCW, except for the ones I've gone back and rewatched. I used to just love watching Sting come out. Yeah. Sting coming down from the rafters, Sting coming out from the floor, Sting in the... wherever he was. Uh, my, my first ever wrestling moment, and this is ingrained in my head, uh, Channel 5, WCW Worldwide, I flicked on, never seen wrestling before in my life, down comes Sting from the rafters in his harness. Vampiro <laughs> and NWO, or Vampiro, or something. They were in a feud. He douses him in a bucket of blood and leaves him nice. hanging there. And I was just like, "What is this magical creation I'm seeing in front of me right now?" <laughs> and since then, just been. <laughs> this is my life now. You know, wrestling is everything. So if I hadn't switched on since Sting and been, it's like when people say they tuned in and they saw Ultimate Warrior or Macho Man Randy Savage it, or Hulk Hogan uh, no, no, unless you're an idiot American youth <laughs> who was not wrestle-tained wrestle-tained but yeah so, so Sting 
it was difficult to leave Sting out of my top five list, but I feel like the other five in terms of overall wrestling ability and what I see in them doesn't get Sting a place. If we're talking about all-time favorite characters, Sting is number one, 100%. Like gimmicks, yeah. It's what we could do for the future. Yeah, write it down. Yeah, Sting would be in that, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly. So, so does that make sense? Yeah, it does. No, yeah, that makes perfect sense. If I'd taken your rules for that, Hulk Hogan might not have made my top five, you know. But it's um, it's about but it's about the rules we set ourselves. <laughs> it's a personal journey. Exactly, so on, um, it really has been. What is your number one? My number one favorite wrestler of all time is woo the Nature Boy oh, Ric of Flair. Of course, it is. Ric Flair is like there's just nothing like right he does the same moves every match right and everyone does the same stuff to him every match he always gets back dropped he always gets uh, thrown off the top but it's just so good every uh, just give me the same match every time I don't care Ric Flair's amazing he's just got this incredible timing with everything and talking of Sting, his matches with Sting in WCW, he used to call all those matches and he would know exactly when to get Sting to lift him up in a gorilla press or something like that to just get the perfect pop out of the crowd. He just knows. He's just got this sixth sense to get the crowd to pop by doing so little. It's incredible. And the same moves, like, you look at like people like John Cena and stuff and people say like it's five moves of doom and how he does the same moves all the time. Like, that's such bollocks because all wrestlers have a few moves yeah. in their arsenal right oh, like, yeah you have your, your arsenal of moves that you go over and talk about yeah, yeah. poor Cena tries to put more moves in and he just gets jeered even more doesn't he for attempting to do like extra stuff oh look at him trying yeah look exactly at and that's what annoys me about um, people criticising Brock Lesnar by the way saying oh it's just suplex suplex it's like yeah he does just as many moves as anyone else it's, it's not you can't that's a stupid criticism but Rick, we'll debate that another day but yeah fine but Ric Flair um, but Ric Flair doing the same stuff every match he never got criticised for it like John Cena did why what's the difference there must be a difference that no one noticed Ric Flair was doing it and everyone got on John Cena's back the reason is that Ric Flair's timing and the way he worked the crowd whilst doing it was just second to none. He's he's the yeah, greatest like all time. Rick. Yeah, Rick worked the crowd. Cena polarizes it. That's that's the difference. Yeah. You know, Cena never has to work the crowd because they work themselves. You've got let's go Cena. Cena sucks. He doesn't have to do anything for no him. exactly. Um, Ric Flair. I do have issues with Ric Flair. Like what? As you know. Like what? Tell, talk, Come on, bring it, bring it on, son. Bring it on, man. Um, I I don't want to say he's a bad wrestler because he's not. No, he's the greatest. And of I don't want to say that. <laughs> Edgy, <what's> that? <laughs> um, but I don't want to say that I find his matches that entertaining for me. Ah. I I think promo. I know. I think promo work and everything he's done. The most interesting fact I found out about Ric Flair was. Um, I never knew why he kept going up to the top rope to hit that um, whatever he was going to hit. I never knew, yeah, the crossbody because everyone always cut it off and it just became a running joke. Yeah, but I found out he actually won a world title by hitting that. His move. first world title so against like, Dusty Rhodes. It, so it's like if I hit it, then I might be able to win. And I, I think to have a what twenty year 
running story of a move is probably one of the greatest things of yeah, all time. Yeah, that's psychology, right? He's just got the most incredible yeah. psychology. Psychology, cannot doubt no. him. No. Cannot doubt him 100, but probably the best in-ring psychologist. He's incredible. And, yeah. and also, another reason why he's so good is, like, all great wrestlers, I think, need to be characters. Like, outside the ring, they're sort of someone you can take the piss out of a bit and st- like Hulk Hogan is one because you can sort of la- laugh yeah, at yeah. him um, at the, like uh, yeah him. the stupid mistakes that he makes you know in his life and um, uh, Shawn Michaels with like you know living on a ranch and hunting and wearing that stupid cowboy hat and that's funny right like that's something quite funny about his personality and same with Ric Flair like he's become this guy that's so over emotional all the time and crying and just bleeding like on command and stuff like that has become almost a meme and that I think helps because he's such a powerful caricature of an actual human away from wrestling that all adds to him being the greatest of all time in a in a form of entertainment, wrestletainment, that is built on um, <laughs> that is built on colourful characters, right? You can't get better than someone who actually lives like that. Oh yeah, Ric Flair is Ric Flair. Yeah, it's amazing. No, no doubt about it. I mean, the Carney Gypsy King made money out of nearly dying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, who, who can fuck that? Yeah, I'm, st- I'm not dead yet, Mother Effers, and is uh, he's selling those t-shirts at the moment, and I hope they're selling well. Yeah. So. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you Rick in, in this. Give regard. me Rick. If I was if I was stuck on a desert island and I could only take five matches with me, they'd all be Ric Flair matches, and they'd be all the match. All the matches would be exactly the same with the exact same moves, and I'd be super entertained from all of them. I just always remember. I think it was Taboo Tuesday. Him fighting in a cage with like Randy, yeah. and his his pants are down the whole time. His ass is on show. <laughs> like it's just bleeding ass out. That's the Rick I'm going to remember. He got his ass out at the um, house show we went to. Yes, he yeah. did. Swearing. Like, <laughs> such a, it was a kind of a small venue. I think it was the Coventry Ice Dome at the time it was called. Yeah, the hockey um, ring. And we saw Ric Flair versus Chris Masters. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The Masters. The Intercontinental title? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think Ric Flair was Intercontinental champion at the time. Well, when I saw them a year later, I saw Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ric Flair as tag team champions during their two weeks. Oh, amazing. I got to see that's them. That's cool. And I was like, that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, Ric Flair swore more and louder and more vulgar than anyone I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, he did. I learned so much from him that day. <laughs> that was funny, yeah. Rick- but see, that was entertaining, right? You remember that? Ric Flair takes you something to remember and take home more than other wrestlers. He's just, he's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing, and not dated in my opinion either. Or if it is dated, it's dated in a comical way. And he's also the winner of the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. Winner of the greatest what? Royal Rumble of all time. Oh, the 1992 yeah. Royal Rumble. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll agree. Thank you. I agree with your edge as well. It's a good choice for you. Thank you. It's a good choice yeah. for you too, sir. <laughs> Not fall out over this. No, we won't fall out. We won't fall out over Hulk, will we? <laughs> it's close. It's close. <laughs> so that concludes our top five first week of top five wrestlers of all time. And I'm pretty. I'm pretty How happy. How do you reckon it's gone? I think we made our cases pretty well. And uh, if I'm pretty sure listeners are going to be almost completely 
knowledgeable on these wrestlers, but if any matches we mentioned or any events we mentioned that got you curious, please go and check them out because we've mentioned them for a reason because they've stuck with us for so long. Um, or if we made any mistakes, please correct us no, as well because no, 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 we, we no. could have done. I don't like being corrected. I want to be corrected. I want to. I want to know when I'm wrong. Correct, Jesse. My opinion is is law. <laughs> I don't mean about opinions. I know my opinions are right. I mean if I get like a year wrong or a venue wrong oh, or something. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd prefer them to criticize my opinion. I'd like to get into a, into an argument. Yeah, a heated fun. heated Twitter debate or something. <laughs> we need Twitter. to start a Twitter, do we, for, for this? Yeah, probably should. Um, this first week, obviously, we're not set up on the social medias or the emails, but we do want to start getting you, the listeners, involved as much as possible in terms of suggesting top fives, um, talking about the ones we've mentioned. We'll also recap if you want to send over your top fives for the week before and even give some for the weeks coming. Then that's something we'd uh, be interested in talking about as well and disregarding your opinion as much as I disregard Jesse's. <laughs> Very good. Um what um so you said at the start of the show that we're gonna say what our top five next week's gonna be so what's it gonna be okay let's have a think so uh we're coming up to no mercy next week correct uh i think it yeah 20 20 something so it might even be the week after um should, should we check our facts first i think it's the 24th that we Shall have we? no mercy so i was thinking if we do a monthly pay-per-view special the week before a pay-per-view, we will... Now, this is up to you. You can go for your top five No Mercy matches or top five No Mercy pay-per-views overall. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go for No Mercy matches, please. No Mercy matches. I will allow that. So, next week, we will be having our Five Count Wrestling episode two of top five No Mercy matches. We'll probably have that released before the No Mercy pay-per-view, so you can have a look back on any matches that you haven't seen, get yourself all up in the spirit for it. I'm glad they've brought back No Mercy. It used to be one of my favourite pay-per-views. Yeah, it's a good pay-per-view. There's another, talking about Benoit when he lands on his head, and you think, oh, that contributed. Um, there's one one of them from No Mercy, No Mercy 2003 against A-Train. If you want to go watch that, A-Train goes yes. to, A-Train goes to Gorilla that. Press... Benoit and um, sort of miss misholds him, and Benoit just falls to onto a chair. Actually, um, falls straight onto a chair, head and neck first. It's a really really bad landing, and that man is now the head trainer of NXT. <laughs> <laughs> Says a lot, really. Yeah, he's had a weird career. He has if had a very weird career. Weird careers. I, I think that's someone we've got. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Got yeah, top top five Matt Blue weirdness. Um, uh, also, um, on our No Mercy show, I like the idea, I've said this to you, um, of predicting Meltzer ratings. So, yes. Um, so at the end of the show, so before No Mercy 2007 takes place, we're going to predict what Meltzer is going to rate every match before the matches have happened and put a bet on it. And I think that'll be quite interesting to see how close we can get just based on how we expect these wrestlers to perform. Yeah, whoever gets it wrong will have some form of forfeit might subject you to uh, to watching some Bret Hart matches and you might subject me to watching some Hulk Hogan matches. Oh man, I know, oh. yeah. I I know who's the winner in that exchange. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you want to hit us up on Twitter at the moment, my handle at the moment is at Bindles and Wine. That's Bindles and Wine. You can reach me on Twitter. Nice. Mine is um, very creatively Jesse Benz, J-E-S-S-E-B-E-N-N-S at... Send us some love and we will... 
keep communicating with you. But uh, for now, I think that wraps up our first show. And I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think it's been a success. I hope you guys have been as well. And uh, we hope to see you next week. There will obviously be a lot more promoting coming up in the next week or so and getting ourselves established. So make sure you... Well, you found us anywhere on this link. So follow this link. Like, subscribe, whatever the cool kids do nowadays. Tell your friends. Tell your auntie. She's lonely. And uh, we'll make this a global phenomenon. Phenomenon? Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Probably going to play the the five count intro again. Just, just yeah, okay, just, all right. Just, just let's go out on that, shall we? Say. Cool. Let's go out on a high here. All right, go out on a nice high one. Here. Thank you, Max. Um, thank you. I've been Max Curtin. I've been Jesse Burns, and you have been WrestleTain. <laughs> the five count. I happen to love the number five. You have a high five. You've got a low five. It's a beautiful number. A glorious number. The five count. I'm going to start recording. Uh, it's recording now. What was that? What did you unstrap? <laughs> I'm to unstrap and get ready. <laughs> Let's go, boys. <laughs> <laughs>